You're listening to Give and Go Vikes with Liam and Tyler, supported by the UVic Alumni Association. Nation and welcome to Give and Go Vikes. My name is Tyler Lowy and joining me is my co-host Liam McDonough. On today's episode, we got a couple burners from the men's cross country and track team. Sophomore Vaughn Taylor brought home some hardware from U-Sports this year, winning gold in the 600 meter, while Sejan Sarai finished sixth in Canada and was the only freshman in the 600 meter final. These two guys are among the young, talented group of runners that are establishing the Vikes on a national stage. Two guys with a combined three years of experience racing at the university level. Tyler, what are some takeaways that you had from this interview? Two speed demons. Like we're looking at, you know, two guys that could be winning a lot of medals at the conference and national level for a long time for the Vikes. So it was great to have them on just as their careers kind of take off. You mentioned that Vaughn won a couple medals for the Vikes. All he did was win medals. He, the guy won every 600-meter race he entered in this season. Just an unbelievable career. Uh, we talked about how he was a nominee for Outstanding Male Athlete of the Year. Could have easily have won in any other year. I'm sure he's going to pick up at least one of those by the time his is done with the Vikes. Literally the time that his, his run is finished with the Vikes. I'm sure he's going to be acknowledged for a lot of awards. Sajan has a, a super bright future as well, but it's crazy just to hear all the stuff that Vaughn already does in the community. And I think it's really important to highlight that as it's something that not just a unique athlete like Vaughn does, but the importance of that as well being expressed through his podcasts. Now, we didn't really know what we were getting out of Sajan. Is this, am I saying it right yet? Is it Sajan? Sajan. Sajan. Okay. I'm also taking a lot of heat and rightfully so for not being able to pronounce names. Understandable. I am the communications guy. I should get a handle on that. It's something I'm, I promise you guys I'm working on it, but apparently I called him the wrong first name the whole podcast. So apologies to everyone involved with Sajan, his parents, his friends, family. I don't know what's wrong with me, but we didn't really know too much about him coming into this. And he, you know, he brought the heat right from the opening question. Like he was a fantastic guest. I know Vaughn a little bit just from interviewing him after win, after win, after win. So I knew what to expect there, but two great guests. I know I say that every time, but these guys kicked it. But They, they absolutely hit it out of the park with this one. It's cool. These guys have a ton of personality. And I think it also sheds a lot of light that the cross country and track team they may not get as much exposure as some of the, the different teams that we have just because they don't have a lot of home opportunities to compete in front of our fans. Uh, and they're not part of like a team sport where you rally together as a team, but you race individually. But these athletes are fun. They're exciting and they're doing great things for the bikes and they're doing great things for the community. Yeah, it's tough, especially for these two guys. They're primarily track runners. So there's bikes never host a track event in the indoor season i think they might run on campus in the summer but i've never been around for the summer season and there's only one cross country event so we we talked with them at the end of the podcast about getting some girls on from cross country i know they run cross country we'll get that perspective to the program interesting how it's two different teams but it's the same team like the cross country season you got your cross country runners and you got the track runners in the spring so interesting dynamic there. but And then it is kind of a weird team. And just because the Vikes don't have, you know, a long jump or a high jump, 
when they go off to these conference and national tournaments and meets, they get buried in the standing just because they don't have athletes in all the, in all the events, kind of like swimming where you need swimmers in every event and rowing, you need rower a boat in every kind of race. They just don't have that with a bike. So they don't get the national recognition of being a national champion as a team, but some great individual athletes still in the program. Without a doubt, these guys are burners. They're speed racers. They're ripping it up. So uh, let's not waste any more time. We'll get you right to the interview. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Okay, so I got a question right off the bat for both you guys. The 600 meter. So in my limited knowledge of track and field, I which is basically just the Olympics, I'll be totally honest. I never remembered the 600. So is this a newer distance that's being raced or am I just out to lunch on this whole thing? You want to take this, Edge? Yeah, um, 600, it's an indoor event because most uh, indoor tracks are going to be 200 or 300 meters long. It's never going to be like a full-size track. So um, the 600 is like, the 800 equivalent it's more of a speed-based race but in u sports it's 300 600 instead of 400 800 the 1500 stays but the three the 5k gets shortened down to a 3k so everything's a little bit more condensed just because it's a smaller track okay gotcha so yeah. overall strategy in the 600 is it like a full gas out or is there some pacing strategy involved yeah definitely some pacing you, you want to be quick and you want to maintain a certain speed, but you don't want to gas yourself so that you're being caught by, at the end of the race. So there's definitely some strategy involved. And because it's a smaller track, it means that you have to work hard to get around people. So that's positioning yourself well and making sure that you are using your position to the best of your um, advantage. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that goes into it more than just uh, speed and, and uh, going out as hard as, as possible. Now, I'll gladly admit, along with Liam, that I'm not the most uh, – I don't watch too much track aside from every four years. But the 600-meter, Vaughn, when I was watching – and say, Jen, when I was watching you guys run the highlights of the 600-meter final with U-Sports, now you guys start in your individual lane, but then you're allowed to just merge into the inside track. Is there a certain distance you have to run before everyone can just kind of go wherever they want? There's a there's a cutoff at about 150 before you merge in. It's pretty standard. Most uh, even the 800 has a cutoff at 200 or no, it's uh, 150 through and then you merge in and it becomes a lack of better term. It becomes a show. <laughs> yeah, I guess we haven't we haven't had an experience outside competitions, so like I'm losing my knowledge. <laughs> That's totally fair. <laughs> now, if I'm remembering correctly, Vaughn, I think you started in the furthest lane to the outside in the esports championship. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, started in lane six. Like the is there couldn't see anybody. Do you guys have a preference where you start in which lane? Personally, I I do. But, uh, I, which is typically in the middle. I don't want to really be too far on the inside or too far on the outside. I found over my career, I, I tend to run really well on the outside. I kind of just run scared. But typically inside is, is, or in the middle is where I like to be so I can see everyone and feel people coming up on me and kind of have a really full field view of what's going on. But at the same time, there's no, there's no real rhyme or reason to whether it affects my performance or not. 
Yeah, for me, it's it doesn't really affect me that much. Like, obviously, I prefer the middle, especially in the 800-600. And a 400, I actually prefer the outside. Better corner, you're going faster. You don't have to deal with leaning as much. And I typically just run as fast as I can anyways, rather than uh, thinking about who's ahead of me and who I got to catch. I guess we could have saved that question for our superstition game at the end, but whatever. <laughs> so I, we wanted to know, I know you guys – do a lot of indoor running but do you guys run outdoor events as well obviously not with the vikes but with other club teams yeah totally how much difference is it from indoor season to outdoor season when you're running on the track oh totally like it's a different feeling entirely as as sajin mentioned the indoor track is 200 and sometimes can be 300 in distance in meters um but outside it's 400 so yeah um a lot bigger you're dealing with like the outside elements it could be hot it could be raining it could be doing whatever it could be a really hot day or it could be a cool day it could be windy or it could not so it's just like that's not there as a factor when you're inside right mm-hmm. just no wind there's you know you're at a, a nice temperature always so it's different in that way and then people tend to peak or get faster or get stronger going outside. So it, it presents this whole different side of competition and who's peaking at the right time and who's like just coming out of that indoor season and, and maybe a little bit banged up. So it definitely is a lot different. And uh, 300 events get shifted over to 400 and 600 becomes 800. As Sajin was saying that, the condensity is no longer there. So you kind of get more range and versatility with the outdoor. Yeah. Another big thing with the indoor outdoors with a smaller track corners are really tight. So you actually got to work on those corners to stay in, in on the inside lane outdoors. You don't really have that, that factor. So it's pretty, it's a lot different, especially let's say in a 400, we did the four by four as a team, running the 400 indoors you are working on those corners you can't go as fast so when you do a conversion to what your outdoor time would be it's almost a second and a half faster than oh, what wow. your indoor time is that's a significant difference holy yeah i was going to get to a question about the corners in a, in a little bit but i guess i can just ask it right now now i've also heard you guys talked about the difference uh, indoor tracks and outdoor tracks with the corners but i've also heard that there's some tracks i'm not sure if you guys ran on them this year that will have like banked corners so kind of like uh so for to give people a mental image like a nascar corner or or an autobahn corner but so some tracks will actually raise up in the corners does that help you take corners a little bit quicker or is it easier we did montreal this year that was the only one with a bank track okay uh personally like it was it was definitely easier taking the corners it made it made a pretty big difference but again like it's still a 200 meter track. The corners are tight. It's, it's weird. It's especially me being my first time out on a bank track. I didn't really get a good feel of it. So yeah, I, I don't really have any preference. I definitely prefer it over a 200 track, but I'd still take a 400 track over a bit 200 bank track. Fong, what about you? What's your opinion on it? Do you race better or worse on a bank track? It's hard to say. I have had some really incredible races on a bank track and, and I feel like it comes down to feeling and really repetition, especially within a season. It doesn't matter how many times you ran on that specific track in that season. If you have more repetition on a particular track, you tend to run faster. Mm -hmm. So for example, I, we ran 
once at Montreal on the bank track and I PB'd, but it felt like a little bit weird because you, the track is pretty much pushing you on the inside, but with the velocity that you're going in with, it almost like propels you and, and pushes you to, to lean in more, which makes you run faster. Mm-hmm. And so I actually ran my fastest times on a flat track in Edmonton because we ran on that three times, almost four. So I think I just got used to that flat track, got used to the corners and got used to like just beating on that corner a little bit more than the bank track, which felt a little bit weird to me this season. There's no opportunities in Victoria with a bank track to train, is there? No. Uh, We don't have an indoor track at all. But yeah, I'm going to go off what Vaughn said, running repetitively on that u of a track was really helpful like i my best race was on those u of a tracks the bank track and i've heard that montreal's got the most aggressive bank ever so maybe that's like a big factor is why it felt so weird but the repetition definitely helped and yeah all my best races were on that uh indoor track at edmonton and it was a flat track well bank or no bank it didn't really seem to matter this year for you vaughn you won everywhere you went uh, one of the races you won, the Canada West Final in your home province. What was that like racing close to your home? And did you have a lot of family and friends in attendance? Yeah, that was a surreal experience. My mom was in like two two hours or so away. I, I was able to get one of my friends to drive her up. And she came during my warm-up, like t- maybe 15 minutes before the race. And I saw her, gave her like a huge hug. I was like, so happy. I haven't seen her at that point since august of last year so it was just like you know it was really good to see her and my brother as well so that was like a huge boost in my confidence and just like overall mental state of just like okay like they're here family's here friends are here gotta gotta like not that i had to prove anything but i felt like i was at peace Mm-hmm. And so that really helped in just being steady and knowing that I was um, got number one in the country at the time with that pressure, it almost felt like it didn't matter anymore. And mm-hmm. so that was huge to be in my hometown and uh, the response to the performance and the response to just my overall just being there was incredible. Like Saskatchewan is one of the, one of those places that honestly I can say the fans and, and the, the environment there is die hard, like 100%. So that was awesome. Sajan, we heard that you're a pretty strong cross country runner as well. That's obviously quite a bit different than race in the 600. So how do you prepare for each race differently is it or is it difficult to adjust between the two seasons i, I actually don't run cross at all i don't, oh, you know, don't? What? we I heard know. the inside scoop gotta, that you run cross no i did i did one race the inside scoop was in high school i was actually pretty good at cross as a okay. as a so in high school I was, I was pretty good i finished top 20 twice in grade 10 and grade 12 top 25 in grade 9 i didn't finish the racing grade 11 because i fell but no, yeah, I was I was good in high school, but I, after that, I didn't want to be running 8K. I, I was like 10 times yeah. the size of my event. No, of course not. But I did one. I did one at the start of this year, so maybe that's what you heard. But it wasn't amazing. But I can suffer through the long stuff, but I'm not amazing at any of it. 
but yeah. So I'll be honest. I joined cross country my last year of high school because they did this thing called a mystery tour where you just like, yeah. you pay like a couple hundred bucks. They say, bring your passport. And then they take you somewhere like a complete, like reveal surprise. And we ended up going to this place uh, down the States called great wolf lodge. It's just massive. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, it, it was sweet. It was this massive, like adult, water park and we just we did one cross country race and then just spent the weekend like in the water park it was so cool <laughs> oh my but goodness that's the extent wow. of my running career yeah how does uh, a school get away with taking kids without telling them where they're going that's what that's they tell kind the parents. Of blowing my mind oh okay yeah i oh. tell parents yeah anyways so one thing okay let's hope this is a, is a accurate piece of insight that we got sajan you got some six spikes don't you I know a guy um, in Vancouver who uh, customized spikes. I don't know. I, I was just scrolling through and I was like, you know what? I had just gotten a pair of uh, purple and green spikes. And I was like, you know what? I want to get these customized. I was thinking like Joker theme because they're purple and green Joker yeah. colors, obviously. And I was telling, I think I was telling someone about it. And obviously you got the targeted ads that are just listing in. And I get an Instagram ad like, a day later, that's just like, I do, uh, it's just promoting his uh, um customize or his customizing business so i'm like you know what i'll hit him up he gave me a really good deal and i got them customized as joker themed the one thing i regret is i didn't get the smile on them all i still got was like why so serious on the side and i don't remember the the other thing that i put on it at the, now we'll have but, to yeah, dig up a photo of those yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll find one but um the other ones, I, I went back afterwards and I had gotten red spikes and I got those customized flash. I got the flash head on it, flash logo and lightning bolts going all across them. It was Sweet. great. Yeah, that's, cool. that's awesome. Bon, I, do you have I any custom spikes? Like, <laughs> I don't have any custom spikes. I'm not, I'm not baller like Sad right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, like, I, I remember the first time I saw them and I was like, that, I, I, I don't know if you remember this, Sad, but I was like, I love those spikes because when I was a kid, um, one of my coaches, Robert Esme, he used to be a, um, he was a former Olympian running with Donovan Bailey and he, he called me, he nicknamed me the flash. So like when I saw those spikes, I was like going crazy. I was like, those are, so I need those spikes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe yeah, you'll, see, I mean, maybe you'll just like grab my bag one day, put them on and just, they're like the magic spikes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Actually, it's funny you say that because Sajan, I, okay. You sport, we're coming, and I'm looking, I'm like laying out my stuff. I'm like, okay, where's my spandex? Can't find my spandex anywhere. Like, you still have those. <laughs> and Sajin gave me his tights to run in, and those are the <laughs> tights I wore for like the prelims and the finals. Um, no way. And so, like, yeah, he's, he gave me some of his magic for that one. Yeah, Sajin's yeah. probably trying to get those back, trying to get some. Back, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't wish I wore them. <laughs> no, um, I got a picture right here of the spikes, the Joker ones. I don't know. Oh, yeah, those are sick. Those are cool. And then I'll, show, I'll show you the flash ones. Yeah. So if, if Vaughn's in Sajin's tights and you guys are in the same final race, what are you wearing? I, I have two pairs of tights, so oh. I had a pair of Nike ones that I gave to Vaughn because they were a little bit bigger fitting, and I think he's got beefier legs than me. But um, I, I wore my Adidas ones that I had. Um, nice. Yeah, no, so, yeah. They, they were perfect. They were great. Here okay, are the so, uh, Flash ones. Okay, yeah, those are sick as well. <laughs> you got to get yeah. this custom guy and give him a UVic deal and just start getting a bunch <laughs> of customs done. <laughs> get a sponsor. Crazy. That would be sick. Maybe we'll start the yeah. conversation. Yeah. Holy. 
<laughs> we do have a bit of pull. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. So I said earlier that I, I ran cross country, but when it comes to track, I'm so slow. I've got, I like to work out of the track because I can do circuits, but I've got a permanent set of flat tires for legs. So what are some tips <laughs> that you guys can give me to shave a few seconds off my 600 time? Man. Is it like, um, is there a spot in the, in a track where I should like burn out and, and stop kind of like conserving any energy or some dynamic stretches I should work in or what? I think there's a spot where you conserve energy in the 600. Like there, there is like, you don't go all out, but you hold a pace for the entire time. You're not, you you kind of just want to be at a, at a, at a safe spot when you go through 400 meters. Cause if you've gone through in 49 seconds, you're done. Mm-hmm. But if you go through in 53, you got a lot of, you got a lot of ground to make up. Like the safe zone for Vaughn and I, I think this year was 50.5 to 52 was right where it was the best to get to 120. Yeah. And what, so, what part of the track is that? Is that at 400, 400 meters? meters. Okay. Yeah. 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 So with two hundred to go, you want to feel like okay, I can still push a little bit more, um, but not have too much in the tank, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't think Liam's doing two hundred meters in fifty-two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I honestly, it, you're probably not wrong. I'm a very slow runner. I don't know what it is. Otherwise, athletic, I'm okay. But for some yeah. reason, my legs just don't follow the rest of my body when it comes to speed. I don't know. He brags about being a badminton player on this podcast, so it's not like he's got to run 200 meters to play badminton. Well, he see, Liam, you, you seem like a fit guy. Like maybe, maybe it's just, it's just some repetition and getting some uh, form in or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna roll with that for sure. That's what I'm gonna start telling people. Like when people are asking why I'm so, I'm just, oh, I just haven't got to the repetition of it yet. Like, there you go. I'll try new strategies. Structured <laughs> training. Yeah. You know, just start coming out to the uh, to the practices. Hey, we'll do it when we're back. Kyle and I will join you guys for practice. We'll probably throw up at the end of it, but we'll we'll be there. Yeah. All right, throwing up is okay. <laughs> I'm kind of in the other boat. I'm a I'm a sprinter. And I, I'd probably say I'm maxing out at 400. I don't want to do the 800 or anything longer than that. And especially like cross country, like Sage, and I'm right with you. Like, there's no way I'm running eight kilometers. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, speaking of throwing up, uh, yeah. the workout right before U Sports. Do you remember that, Vod? Yeah. We did. It was, it was deathly the way that uh, I don't even know what was going through their minds. Um, but it was, what, a week before we were supposed to leave. And the workout was 300, 200, and then three by 150 or four by 150. And it was maxed out. Like, I, I don't know what was, was going through our heads there. All out for everything. And I, I, I got to the car, like I got to my car and I went to go sit down <laughs> and I couldn't move. I got, like in between sitting, my muscles got stuck in that position. <laughs> my hands were just like hovering and shaking while like my bum was like hovering above my seat. <laughs> like my, my hamstrings and quads simultaneously. So I, could, I couldn't move. The hamstring is used to retract. Your quads are used to push you back up to get up, but they were both seizing. So I was like, I was stuck. And I was like almost like there's people walking by. These girls are looking at me. This guy was like, what the heck is going on? Cause I'm right by the pay station by like um carsa yeah so i'm like i'm like losing my mind i go to the back seat and i kind of calm down and i just laid there and i just like covered my mouth and i was like just laying there it was like on my stomach with both my doors open 
so bad. Holy. So it how was, many of those kinds of workouts do you guys do a week? Is there like one or two that you guys absolutely just empty the tank for? It depends. It's, yeah, the, we have our structure is like some days, some weeks we'll have an off week, so it's a little bit less, not as hard. But um, other weeks, it's like a targeted week. So there are some weeks where it's just like, okay, you're putting in a solid effort, but you're not throwing up. Mm-hmm. But then some weeks you'll have that one workout that you build for that's going to be all out, and that was ours right before U Sports. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, so yeah. It, it could be something like uh, a two to one ratio, where it's like two weeks hard, one week off, mm. and the second week is the build that you're trying that they're trying to get get you to to work towards. So the first week is just to get you a little bit tired, get some some fatigue in the legs, and the second week is where they'll like actually produce some some real workouts and then kind of have a rest. But um, yeah, that was a workout that I. I I was not prepared for. <laughs> so was, was that a Hillary or a Brent workout right before you sports? Well, that's definitely a Brent workout. I'd, I'd say that's a Brent workout. I'd say that's what about you, And that was a Brent workout for sure. And then I think Heather and Jeff or Heather was there. Heather was there. Yeah. She was, she was doing the timing with us. I remember yeah. those one fifties. Oh, that's crazy. So we just kind of want to transition off the track a little bit. Thanks for, breaking down the 600 for both Liam and I. We greatly appreciate it. (laughs) But off the track, Vaughn, we've heard that you're quite involved and you enjoy giving back to the community and and younger generations of track stars. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, for sure. So for for a long time, I've been working for my first job, actually was at the YMCA with uh, before and after school program in high school. And also I volunteered my time with um, kids and children with disabilities in like a play. So we'd help them to perform and actually do this whole play. We'd be standing behind them. They would be mic'd up and we would say their lines as they said it to the audience. And so throughout my high school career, moving into my university career, coming into Victoria, I still wanted to continue giving back in that way. And so um, coaching as well as just like volunteering either at Pisces um, near Clemson interurban campus Mm -hmm. is something that I enjoy to do. But I also uh, volunteer my time at a church downtown at Glad Tidings where every Thursday, actually tonight, I'll be basically on a Zoom call like this and uh, with all the the like the mids is what we call it so grades grade six to eight is where we have all the guys for like my peers and then also like the younger kids and they're all male and then um we'll just kind of talk talk to them about about god and then also kind of like have fun play games but i feel really good in, in terms of like impacting the youth in like an athletic direction as well as like okay this is also life and then also like maybe a spiritual direction as well to kind of give a, a holistic individual i feel like that's where one of my passions are mm-hmm. passions um has come from from a younger age um, i've had a lot of people um, kind of pour into me when i was younger like that so giving back is 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 more of a fun and like fulfilling thing for me than it is something that I have to do or, oh man, like this is another task. So I really enjoy it. It's cool. It seems like you got a really good balance going. Like not only having to manage like those activities plus being a varsity athlete and then school on top of that, uh, you yeah. must be pretty good with your time. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> I, I pick and choose when I want to use it, right? Like yeah. 
I, I always make this joke around a team and it's like, I'm a, I'm an athlete student and <laughs> <laughs> I do exactly what I need to do to do what I, I love to do. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense at all. And, and, and that's always been my mentality. And I'm trying to change that in some areas of my life where I'm like, okay, well maybe I can do this better and maybe procrastinate less. But what it really comes down to is that I'll do things I love to do. And if there's requirements for me to continue to do that, I will do that. So mm-hmm. I found that this is something that I enjoy to do. And I have passion for with like helping um, kids through difficult times or whether it be um, just talking and sitting down, sitting down with them and, and building on a plan or them physically actually expanding and, and growing themselves. So um, that's been good. And then for school, due date is when again and then i'll just get it in (laughs) you just make it happen (laughs) yes sir yeah i just want to go back to you working with the younger generation and kids and people at the church quickly here vaughn now i was just going to ask about you know if there's anything that a coach taught you at a younger level that you want to pass down but it sounds like doing a lot more than just talking about track and athletics and whatnot so is there anything not just track, but, you know, from your church, just anything from your youth that someone in a peer role, like what you're doing now, shared with you at that age that you're now passing this on to the next generation? Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I feel like that's mostly my mom. So my mom was a track athlete and a very good one. So in Jamaica, where I'm from, high school, Boys and Girls Champs is what we call it, is the largest and most recognized high school championships in the world. And she was a part of that and she was very successful. And so a lot of what she learned, she taught me. And it's not necessarily how to run or how to perform or be successful. It's more like principles and really basic things. I remember when I was younger and I started, you know, kind of building traction. Uh, she said, go shake all the officials' hands before you come home uh, and get in the car. And I was like, shake their hands like why you know what I mean like and she's like just say thank you and yeah I did it said thanks to the officials and years later some of them still remember my face and 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 have you know done amazing things for me um growing up and then the principles of just like being a good sport shaking the hands of your competitors like lose gracefully work hard and then come back and the amount of friendships I've built from just that model of who I've lost to, shown respect to, and worked hard and came back to prove that, yes, I'm, I'm a competitor and win against that, that person. I'm lifelong friends with a lot of people because of that just one model. So a lot of it's my mom in the sense that what she's taught me is from her experience. Yeah, I just try to carry that out the way I live and with younger kids because she was there with me as a younger child. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's incredible hearing that. That's, it's great to also be recognized too. And I know that's obviously not why you did it, but congratulations this year for being a nominee for male athlete of the year. I think we should definitely take yes. note of that. Um, Absolutely. Some amazing things. And I think those messages that you're spreading on to younger generations and people in the community are, are something that oftentimes kind of gets lost with some athletes but having that perspective is so important as well and i think you should really take pride in that that's awesome thanks Liam. appreciate it now sage n wasn't a nominee for male athlete of the year but he was a nominee for male rookie of the year 
And mm-hmm. Sajan, we heard that, you know, away from the classroom and the racetrack, you like to lay low. That being said, we also heard you're a very competitive guy. How much cards do you guys play as a team in your downtime? And who's the best poker player on the team? Oh, uh, cards. Wow. We never played as a team, um, poker. Um, we did play, we did have a board game night one night, um, that got pretty competitive. Um, what was it? We played uh what do you mean? And it was, oh, just yeah. I was destroying everyone. I had, I had seven or eight cards and everyone else had like two or three. I was like, I was crushing it. And I, that's, that's probably been the highlight of my games night. But, um, yeah, as a poker player um, out here, my track coach actually got me into it when we went to a training camp up at uh, Green Lake, which was where he has a, his parents have a, a nice little lakeshore cabin. So it's, it was great. We started playing there. And then we've slowly got more people into it. And now there's like six of us who actually know how to play, are actually decently good at it. I'm, I'm definitely the worst by far out of, on the team. Ryan's better than me. And he's, he's one of the other guys on the team with us. There's three other guys who are just actually really good at it. They'll play online tournaments. And um, one of them actually, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday. He, uh, he made $600 American online in a tournament. Ooh, no, not, not bad. bad. Yeah. Yes. I'd was, be okay with that amazing. right now. Yeah, right? It's like $850. Wow. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll play for fun. Um, we'll play for money. But at the end of the day, it's, it's like we're just there to hang out, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, what about fantasy football? We heard an inside scoop that you, uh, you know some football here and there too. Oh, I know. Yeah, football. Bas- I, I'm a really big sports guy. I like basketball. I'm not as good at fantasy basketball as I am at football. But fantasy football, I crushed it this year. I, I went uh, 2-0 in both my leagues. Ended up winning about $600 and a football jersey. So that was really good for me. Okay. Do you, so, so is it yeah. a league with some of the track and cross country guys or just some buddies from home or what? One of them was with a, one with workers that I knew. And the other one was uh, friends from my track club back here in Surrey. So we did both of them. And yeah, but the workers one was the one that I was really caring about. And it didn't look good for me. I was I was pretty I was pretty low down. I need to go on like a four zero win streak to make it into the playoffs, and that's exactly what happened. And Derek Henry got me through it. Everyone was oh, uh, oh yeah, I had Derek Henry this year too. Mad, everyone he was, was killing me for that pick. Yeah. Yeah, everyone killed me for that pick. I picked him like third overall, or no, not oh, third okay. overall, third third round. Yeah, and everyone's okay. like, "Oh, he's washed up," and I'm like, "No, I'm gonna." And I also got the first overall pick, and I think I got Saquon in my other league, so that was pretty nice. Oh, okay. Um, I, I think I had, <laughs> I had Saquon. Not gonna lie, and I have. I've got Derrick Henry. <laughs> I've got Saquon, and I have somebody else. Uh, I forget who it is, but another running back that I built around. Yeah. Oh, I had Ingram. I had Ingram, Saquon, and Derrick Henry all on the same team at, in my club team. And then the workers team, I uh, Henry, I picked – my wide receivers were really bad. I can't remember what happened with them, but I was just really working around uh, Lamar Jackson on that one, and he was just putting up points for me, and that's what that's what got me through it for sure. Vaughn, do you play yeah. fantasy football? No. <laughs> no, a lot of <laughs> – we got him in fantasy basketball, but he never basketball. set his lineup. The one, uh, the one time, the one time, one of those. he was yeah. convinced to, to set up his lineup. The one time, 
um, Ryan, who ended up winning our league, he convinced uh, Vaughn to set up his lineup against me. And Vaughn took me down because his team was loaded. Like, he, he never set his lineup, but he would have won the league almost single-handedly. Like, top two were me and Ryan, but if Vaughn had set his league, he would have been up there for sure. And I would have won the league if Vaughn hadn't done that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just the disruptor, I guess. I don't know. I just never... And it was my first time ever trying it, and I was just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I've done most fantasy sports. I found fantasy basketball to be one of the most either unpredictable or just frustrating. Baseball, I found, was way too long of a season, and football is like that perfect in-between where you got a little yeah. bit of frustration, short season, you're good. Tyler's shaking his head right now. And, uh, no, I love it. The funny thing is Tyler is really bad at fantasy football, so it doesn't even matter. I had a rough year. Yeah. Well, if you need a guy to um, enter a league, I'm totally down. I don't think I'll be entering into that coworkers one again because they hate me. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should do the four of us and then just grab like different people from different varsity sports. Bikes. Do, like, bikes, a bikes fantasy. Yeah, that would actually yeah. be really fun. I don't know if I'm going to invite the double champ Sajan into my league, but I might have to send him a text on who to pick up for waiver wire Tuesday. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> no, um, you know, what you got to talk to is uh, Nick, our, uh, the strength and conditioning coach, Nick Clark. He's no way. Nick Clark. Yeah. He's, he's a huge, uh, huge football fan. Uh, he was doing fantasy football. Uh, we were talking constantly. That was basically what we talked about every time we had a strength session together. But, um, He's a he was a Patriots fan and now he's a Bucks fan, so he's a Brady follower. Oh, okay. A so, little inside so the, scoop on Nick Clark. Nick Clark is also yes. the spike ball player. That's the first time I met Nick was playing spike ball. He's actually very All right, good. I'll have to yeah. we'll have to play him, we'll have to challenge him one time. Just call it a conditioning drill and he'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've spoken with a lot of athletes on the pod about diets, good and bad. We heard Sajin in your coastal track club before you got to UVic, you guys were doing some eating challenges walk us through some of those we're eating big meals gross meals what so our track coach is a huge fan of uh team bonding challenges so um we ended up doing two training camps a year one would be vegas during spring break in high school which was amazing it was great and then the other one was always up at his uh parents cabin and every year you'd be separated into four teams and one challenge, you did, you do 10 challenges, winner gets a whole bunch of swag at the end. And one of the challenges was always an eating challenge. And it, it was downright disgusting. That my very first year, you had to eat this smoothie. And inside the smoothie was uh, orange drink mix, okay. uh, day-old mac and cheese, and chili. Okay. Oh, together? So I, I could stomach that. Together. Oh. Yeah, you, you, that's, not, that's not that bad. But we've had years where it's been cat food. We've had yeah, this is where I'd say no. Tuna and sardines and clams. It'd be um, spam. We had spam one year. It was spam has been the worst. Like I'll eat the cat food. We actually <laughs> did this the the other day. The other day we did a game of dare poker, and we were deciding what one of the dares was. You know, either eat cat food or um, eat spam, and we picked cat food because that's how bad spam is. Oh wow! So, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's was, some diehard spam fans though. Yeah, but have you ever like have you seen a block of spam? It is disgusting. No. It just looks it it looks terrible. But um, cat food. A full, one time we had we were eating a watermelon, and we go into these challenges hard. Like the goal is to win. We want to win, right? So one guy actually just dove right into it, broke his nose on the watermelon, just diving and eating Ooh. it. That's how what? hard we go into it. Yeah. So oh, so there's like a speed component to it. 
well, you got to be first. You got to win the challenge. It's, everyone's going to finish the food no matter what. Sometimes, it, oh, another one is eating a, f- a full um, a full pack of crackers, which you can't do in under a minute. It's hard, right? Oh, so yeah, it's that's hard. a slow one. Peanut butter, you got to keep that one away from uh, people with nut allergies. There's one guy who's deathly allergic to nuts. We just shove him in a far corner. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it, basically anything that you think is disgusting, you probably eat it. Oh, one thing that my friends did in high school was chocolate milk ch- or just a milk challenge where you try and drink four liters of milk in an hour and your body just can't process it. So it's yeah, pretty much just like it. setting the guy up to puke essentially, no matter what type of milk it is. But oh, I don't yeah, know, of some of those things that you're saying, I would not eat them. There's no chance I'd eat cat food. Like spam, oh, I'd consider oh, spam more of a cat food, but yeah. we did it without hesitation. We argued about it. We're like, okay, who's going to eat the cat food? And at the end of the day, it's just, okay, well, we got to win. So someone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, gross. Okay. I'm going to take the conversation away from these nasty meals and yeah. uh, we're going to talk about your coaching dynamic <laughs> a little bit. So you guys are lucky enough to be coached by two individuals with amazing wealth of knowledge. Hillary Stellingworth is a two-time Olympian and now head coach of the program. And then there's Brett Fogner, who is former head coach for 31 years and now sits in an assistant position. So can you tell us a little bit about your two leaders and their styles of coaching, how they're different, similar, or how they tailor workouts to certain individuals? Go for it, Sadie. Sure. Uh, Ben's the middle distance guy, so he's going to oversee everything that's middle distance. Okay. As far as like workouts, I think they collaborated for workouts. They like, just put it together and said, okay, I think this is what's best. But yeah, the mid-workouts were led primarily by Brent, and then Hillary overlooked all the distance. And uh, it worked out. Brent's an amazing coach, 30, 35 years, 36. Is that what it was? Um, 31 as a coach. coach and I don't know how long his assistant oh, okay yeah. know but anyways a, a long time amazing record as an 800 as, a, as our 400 our 4 by 800 meter um, team has been really successful so it was great working under him um, I enjoyed he was just like really honest told it like it was Hillary this basically the same way like she was like really into it with us like she, we were always uh, talking and chatting and it really helped that we had both coaches involved. So you could just bounce ideas back, talk about training and what you want to go, what you want going forward in your season. Vaughn, what do you have to say to weigh in there? Yeah, it was, it was good. I, um, I have a really unique perspective because I'm also coached by Heather and Jeff. They're part of like the Athletics Canada West hub. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was it was really cool because for those six weeks I was like fully embedded into like the the Vikes program, and then may, might have had some overlap with the uh, the programming from. Um, it was really cool. I, I worked mostly with Brent in like the coaching aspect of it, and um, Hillary would be like kind of overseeing. But um, I I work really well with the with Brent and and just kind of how he coaches he's really like a quiet laid-back individual and i'm more of like the outgoing like i can talk and and just kind of have fun at practice even if i'm hurting and so it worked really well because you know i'd I'd, like crack a few jokes and and you could tell that he's just quiet but he'll smile and you know when it's time to work we work so it's just it's really cool really nice dynamic it's super super easy going but i like that the focus is always like working together using each other to like get the best out of each other mm-hmm. and it's not so much a hostile like uh like racing environment uh, yeah it's more like we're using each other to like 
iron sharpen iron, which is like honestly one of the best, one of the best things I miss about like um, having like that club team back home in Saskatchewan. I haven't really trained much with people over the past couple of years, but like with the Vikes, it's really, really, especially this year, having like Saj and Ryan, some other guys, some key guys in the 800 group to, to train with was like honestly the best. So it's mm-hmm. cool. So you mentioned that you train with Athletics Canada. Do you want to dive a little bit into that and kind of just give us an outlook on that? For sure. So in Victoria there or in Canada, there's two, hubs there's one in ontario which is the east and then here in victoria which is the west and we focus more on like 400 is for the lowest and then working out all the way up to maybe even steeplechase and so the goal is olympics and that's the aim and so me doing a collegiate career a part of that journey there's a six week or at least you know whatever weeks how many every weeks indoor season is that i'm with the vikes and so there's a collaboration with the two groups and two and the two different sets of coaches that oversees my uh, my programs and 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 tries to think long term as well as help me peak for the indoor season. So it's a little bit of a a harder role to take on for the Vikes coaches to have to work with two other coaches, which is like incredible that they can do that and uh, facilitate that so it's it's a little bit more work for them and uh, for me it seems seamless but on the inside behind the scenes a lot happening so it's 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 really cool though to be a part of both those amazing groups did that play into your decision to come out of victoria there being one of the hubs out here huge so one of the main reasons i moved here was that facility and was the coaching and was the the access to physio and Cairo and and kind of all that the toys and the tricks that come along with it because of the fact that my goal as an athlete is to take it as far as possible mm-hmm. now Vaughn you have been in this interesting position on like say Jen where your first year it was Brent's last year and then this past year was Hillary's first year we're curious what did you notice a difference in Hillary from an assistant coach to her interim head coach last year now she's she got granted the program leader full-time this spring. So what did you notice her from an assistant to a head coach? I would say she, the difference was, the, the difference would be her interaction as well as her involvement with the team. It's grown like exponentially in terms of getting to know the team and, and allowing the team to know each other, which has been really cool. Uh, I guess this year was huge for me personally, just to get to know her and for her to know me. Um, and, and also the athletes uh, on her team a lot more, I think. That's just from my perspective. I've only been here for two years. so. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing her in the first year and seeing her in the second year, is definitely, she's definitely stepped into a leadership role, in a leadership position in a way that is very evident. Like she's taking the job seriously. She's definitely well, that's good. On, yeah, she's <laughs> definitely taking that on, on her shoulders. It's pretty obvious, like she, which is really good, right? That's what you want to have in, in a coach that they can, they don't like, um, you know, take it for granted. And she, she definitely looks after uh, her athletes. So now, say Jen, when you arrived to UVic, I'm sure there was a lot you didn't know about the program. What was something about either Brent or Hillary that you learned after your first full season with the Vikes that you didn't know when you were picking and choosing where you would go for your collegiate career? Probably one of the big things I, I liked about or learned about Hillary was that her husband, he works at uh, 
Pisces. And it's been really good. I've communicated back and forth during this quarantine and asked for articles to learn about training and dieting and stuff like that. So it's been really helpful. And I think that's the big thing that uh, really helped me um, with Hillary. As for Brent, you know what? I didn't think the guy had a sense of humor when I, when I first came from my recruiting business, but he does. He actually does. He, he'll come at Vaughn sometimes with uh, some nice comebacks. He'll uh, say some things. It's, he's, he's just got some good comebacks and I don't know where they come from, but you don't expect it from a guy. He's, he's typically just like kind of stoic, serious, oh, but he'll, healthy. he'll come at you if you, uh, if you're, well, like Vaughn was constantly late in his first year, apparently. So he uses that a lot. <laughs> I mean, still late, but yeah. <laughs> I think that it's funny. Our, our coaches and up in the office, like we get to see them interact with staff and stuff. But yeah. very rarely do we get to see them interact with their athletes. And uh, it's always interesting getting that perspective on like that relationship. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, we're going to jump into uh, one of my personal favorite games that we like to play. So this game is called Superstitious. So hard to say, Superstitious or Just a Little Stitious? I'm not superstitious, but I'm, I am a little stitious. So it's a fan <laughs> favorite. Uh, what we've done is we've come up with a list of superstitions and rituals and sports, not just track and field or cross country. And then we're going to ask you guys if you'd consider adopting them into your pre-race ritual. So how does that sound? Cool. Cool. Okay, yeah. Before we get going, I know we touched on it a little bit, but uh, pre-race superstitions or rituals, what do you guys have that you like to do? Go for it, Saj. I feel like you got this. Um, you know what? This year was a big change. I used to have quite a few rituals um, in high school. I'd pour water on my calves um, to, just to like cool down my legs a bit. A big thing in runners is uh, slapping your legs before races. It's like blood flowing. Um, that's a big thing in cross country for sure. My personal superstition that I'd like that I will do pretty much before every race is I'll close my eyes, put my arms out like this, and just like let myself just get in the moment. And that I'll do that before every race, no matter what. And a lot of people like to think that I'm uh, I'm praying, but I'm just like trying to get myself in the moment. I've joked uh, that I'm just reciting the Cars theme in my head. Sometimes that does go through my head there, but uh, but that's it's just like getting in the moment, letting yourself relax, and making sure you're not you're not going to get nervous. You're not going to panic in the minute in the when you need to uh, make a move. Vaughn, mm-hmm. what about you? What do you like to do? For me. <laughs> it's always been prayer. So like the, the day, the day of, I'll like just kind of pray. And before I even like get ready, pray about the day, pray about the goals that I want to achieve. Maybe have some, some really specific goals or, or not, depending on the competition, how like serious it is and then get ready. And that's really it. Like that's probably the only thing I could think about. That's like, I have to have that. And then other than that, I've had cases where I haven't had music for whatever reason, just wasn't working. Um, and I have had cases where like the music definitely helped, but either way I have to have some distraction or something in during warm up. I mean, I might say like another quick prayer before the race, before we line up at the line. And then that's, that's about it really. That's all I can really think about. But in terms of suspicion, like I don't, I don't have like a, a particular way of putting on my clothes or slapping my, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You just get to the block, do you think? Okay. So 
one thing I love watching uh, when I watch track and field is seeing how athletes get the chance to kind of show their personalities a little bit, either before the race or after the race, if they win it. So I went back, watched some of the Olympics footage. And one thing that I saw that I thought was pretty cool is the Japanese relay team. I don't know if you guys know this, but when they came out as the four by ones, they all pretended to pull out like samurai swords and they all like kind of flexed a little bit. And you had the opportunity to like all the different teams come out. Jamaican track and field athletes are, are like always some of the most personality based and they have so much fun, whether it's like praying at the beginning of the race or Usain Bolt throwing up the bolt at the end. So I want to ask you guys, would you ever throw up a bike's lightning bolt if you want to race? What would that look like? The bike? <laughs> so one, one way that I've seen it, the uh, rowing women's team does this a lot. They, they like make an L with one hand and then they go down and then they do a lightning bolt like that. Ooh. Yeah. That's I think pretty it cool. something that's that could be adopted cool. like through all hey, the different Okay, sports. that's... Yeah. You know what? Flex and then like throw the bolt. I think that's... Um, we had something similar going on uh, here. We, our mid-group at our track club, we call ourselves the big boys. So um, after races, I didn't really catch on that much, but during during workouts, we'd uh, just put up a little M like that for mid boys. Mm-hmm. I won one indoor race two years ago, and I, I did that right after. I, I flipped it up to W and then put it back down to NEM. Oh, that's and it. And that, that, was, that was something. But celebrate, like something that I really want in track and field is opening themes, teams coming out together. You get to have a song playing, like just make it more flair. There's not enough flair in the sport and I want that. Like, it'd be great. Like if our four by four team is coming out to, I don't know, like a song that we all picked, it would be great. Or we get to uh, do something on the line or whatever. But yeah, no, I, I want to see more flair in track and field. So if I put you guys on the spot and asked you what song you'd come out to, do you guys already know what it would be? Ooh. No, I think about this one. <sighs> Okay, when we when we get you guys back, we're gonna ask you this, and you you gotta have a prepared answer. And then we'll, right, you know, right. you should prepare a list, and then we'll go through them, and weigh the pros and cons of each of them. All right, we'll get we'll we'll consult the whole four by four team. Yeah, that that'd be fun. Yeah. Good question. Well, one thing I want to see on the U Sports podium next year, Vaughn, is the lightning bolt. So make sure you bring that up. <laughs> oh man, I like that a lot. That, that's yeah. Be... It's something different. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to keep this moving. We're running a little long here, so we're going to keep this thing moving. Uh, Jason Terry, famous NBA vet and NBA champion, he would sleep in whatever team shorts he was playing the next day. So let's say he's playing the San Antonio Spurs, he'd slap on a pair of Spurs shorts. I don't know if he thought that would help help him get in their head or maybe help him lock in on the game. Who knows? But would you guys, let's say you're off to a race in Edmonton or out in Saskatchewan, would you maybe wear a Husky shirt or a Panda shirt, do anything like that the night before? How would I get one of those? Like, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to spend the money on it, right? Yeah. But, uh, no. It's a little out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't, for sure. I've, I've noticed that Guelph is a pretty, like, good school at track. Oh, uh, yeah. I think we got to find a couple Guelph shirts that you guys can just throw on or, like, find a way to get under their skin somehow. I'd feel so cocky and arrogant all of a sudden (laughs) (laughs) it is a pretty it's a pretty cocky move but jason terry uh, is the guy to do that yeah maybe one of your superstitions is uh is is bringing your uh playstation or xbox or whatever it is on on trips do you do that you would bring i bring my xbox you would bring it just to distract myself (laughs) yes sir like he'd be constantly playing it like 
if we're doing anything, we ask Vaughn. No, sorry, I'm, I'm playing 2K. Oh, <laughs> it's man, 2K. that's it's cool. never anything else. It's always great. <laughs> I respect that. He's smart about it, too. That's, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I do. So I, I, bring my, I bring it in my bag and on the plane and everything. Got my Xbox. And I get the weirdest looks from always gets questioned about it at the airports. Yeah, I always they all, I always have to go through the extra scanning and the swabbing and everything. But I think it's so worth it. You can just lay it, like sit there in the hotel room. Like if there's competitions, like in two days or the day after, and it's just like I'm just sitting there gaming. Like yeah, nothing else in the world. I'm just like in the moment. So do you bring yeah. one controller or do you bring a second bring controller? Two. Okay. If anyone wants to join, like they can. I yeah. played with Ryan a few times. 2K, he's whooped my butt. I beat, I whoop his. It's just like, just for fun. Get away from the sport a bit. I yeah. Think you're tied right now, but. You mean once you're done yeah. all your homework and studying, then you whip out the Xbox, right? Oh, yeah, man. Of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah I finished that on the plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely, his books definitely fit in next to his uh, Xbox and his backpack. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heavy backpack you got. <laughs> my books go under the plane and my Xbox comes on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we got another one. So we've seen a lot of, like, beards in sports, playoff beards, whatever. <laughs> Are one of you guys going to grow a U-sports beard for next time you come back and then you have this big grizzly beard when you're standing at the blocks at championships next year? Ooh, sad. you got to do this one. I, you know what? I, I've grown it out before. I, I was growing it out during quarantine. I, I hate a long beard. Like, this is probably, like, the longest I'll let it be right now. I like about some good for handlebars? Sure. Would you grow yeah. a good set of handlebars? I, I you feel know like there's somebody on the track it, team that used to have, like, a great beard or mustache or something. Oh, there, there probably was, but I in grade nine I had uh, oh, what what are they called now? Um, mutton chops on on in because that's how that's my beard grew really fast. Like I had puberty in grade seven, and I just had a beard in grade nine, and it it was it was greasy, it was dirty, but no, I wouldn't I wouldn't grow out my beard. I grew out my hair uh, one year. I did one race, and it looked like a parachute behind me, and <laughs> after that, I just got a cut. So no, no long hair, no okay. beard, nothing. <laughs> Another one for you guys. NHL goalie, Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champion, Patrick Waugh. He would skate backwards into his net and then turn around at the last second before the game. He would also be seen talking to his posts and equipment and thanking them when he made big saves or shots went off the post. Do you guys ever talk to the blocks, maybe talk to, I don't know, the, the track right in front of you, wish it for some good luck, anything like that? I think the closest thing to that that I'm, I'm, I've done before, which is not really close at all, but it's like visualization. So I'd literally like, I'd walk or jog the track, the, the exact distance I'm going to compete in. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd jog that distance and kind of like place mental markers of my race plan. So like, this is where I get out hard and then I'll continue like another 200 meters. Okay, this is where I need to be in this position. This is how I want to feel. And just kind of like place those mental markers in that distance. But I don't do anything less or more than the com- competition distance. But I find that I don't do it consistently, but more so for like major competition. Yeah, I think I've only, I've only done something like that once. And it was this year. The practice right before Can West, we were doing baton practice. And I was, I was royally screwing up. I, I could not pass a baton for the life of me. And... 
right before the four by eight, I just, I'm like, okay, you're not falling out of my hand. And I just told the baton that I'm like, you're not falling out of my hand. <laughs> and it didn't, uh, something else went wrong, but at least the baton didn't fall out of my hand. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was, that's the only time I've done something like that. It's funny, the relationship yeah. between the athlete and their equipment. Sometimes it gets pretty weird. This has been great, guys. I think it's it's cool to have two uh, up-and-comers in the bikes program and, and guys that are already pretty dominant in their sport. So thank you guys for being on. Yeah, thanks thanks for, having for having us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you guys taking your time out of your afternoon. If you guys have any suggestions on some future guests, let us know. And uh, we'd love to chat with some of your teammates. But other than that, thanks for joining us. Stay safe and enjoy the most out of the summer that you can. I got a quick question. I know. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Bring it. In the, pa- in the past, whose was it? Isaac, Isaac's uh, podcast. Yep. You guys did a uh, favorite teams. I'm trying to remember you guys' favorite football teams and basketball teams now. We did so, favorite uh, athletes. Yeah. So oh, yeah. You did favorite athletes. My, my soccer, favorite basketball yeah. player was Russell Westbrook, Saquon, uh, and football. Who else did I have? I was in the camp. I said, I'm old. I guess I'm old school now. I don't have favorite players. I have favorite teams. I'm all Toronto teams. My favorite players, I took some heat for this one. My favorite basketball player was Marcus Saul. Oh, yeah. This, that was an awful call. Great, <laughs> that, great player, but just such a weird favorite face player. Right now. <laughs> yeah, Vaughn's not having that. <laughs> I'm just saying, the ultimate team player, it, the Raptors got so much better. Way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's not about flashy. It's about getting the job done, and he does a great job for the Raptors. I'm a little worried that he's lost a little too much weight in the quarantine, but we'll see how he plays back down in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. What about you guys? Who are some of your favorite athletes? Football, I'm Drew Brees and Saints all the way. And <laughs> basketball, I'm Harden and the Rockets. Those are my two teams. Yeah. Yeah. The Rockets are a tough team to follow. I don't know. They're, they're so up and down. They have been, ever figure it out. I know. Six foot five and under Rockets. Yes. We don't have a center. But it, yeah. you know what? <laughs> we, got, uh, we got Eric Gordon. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Vaughn, who are some of the, the athletes that you idolize? I'm not really – I don't really have an idol, I guess, in, in football. Any sport. Any sport? Yeah. Uh, Lee. Um, I'd have to say Michael Phelps and I guess for basketball, LeBron. It's because what, what he does off the court exactly lines up with, like, kind of what I'm trying to do. So yeah, I, I honestly am one of those guys in the camp that LeBron is the greatest basketball player of all time. I get it. Jordan was amazing, but yeah. there's that stuff that LeBron does off the court that just makes him like such an impactful player, team as off, well as for like youth and his community. His yeah. off the court persona, not persona, but his off the court actions speak. I feel I feel like speaks almost just as good as his career in basketball, or even louder, because what he's doing for communities is is revolutionary. I don't think any sport person or athlete has ever gone that big before so no i totally it, that. It, it's incredible a guy has a camera in his face or a recorder in his face all the time and he literally never does anything wrong he doesn't have any kind of dark side to his career on or off the court he's just perfect in every way it's i mean the worst thing that everyone wants to get mad at him about was when he aired the decision and he did it and raised money for like boys and girls schools and stuff yeah and went to miami it's like <laughs> Come on, the guy's flawless. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for having us. I, I really appreciate this, man. This is, this is fun. Yeah, yeah we, no, we had a great fun. time. 
Yeah, we've had uh, we've really enjoyed this process and being able to connect with a lot of new athletes that we don't necessarily get the chance to talk to, but also keep everybody engaged in our community. Um, exactly. There's so much going on with the Vikes behind the scenes, even with the, the bit of a shutdown right now. And I think it's important to highlight those cool stories like your guys's. So thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. us. It's great that we can push out that track and field and cross country crew a little bit more in the Vikes Nation. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, let's push it forward and try and get a couple of uh, uh, women on the team to uh, come on the show too. Thank Thank you. We just wrapped up our interview with Saja Sarai and Vaughn Taylor. Tyler, takeaways, what'd you like? What I liked, what about what I didn't like? Totally understand why it happened. We're on a Zoom call. We're looking at these guys. We're interacting with them. There was a couple times when Sejan was showing us a picture of his spikes. Still got it wrong, hey? Hold he on. did. You got when, that. when Mr. Sarai was showing us a picture of his spikes, he was like holding up his phone to the camera so we could see him. But obviously, everyone listening to the podcast, they can't see him. And then he was also getting ready for a race. One of his pre-race superstitions was talking about he was doing something with his arms and he was showing us, obviously – that's not going to pick up on a podcast. So I just find that funny how they are totally distracted. They're just in it having a great conversation and they're not thinking about the- You know, I'm at, I'm at fault for that one too. I was showing the lightning bolt, not even thinking that yeah, we nobody's going to see the bolt. Yeah. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to have to tag these guys and uh, throw their Instagrams down below. I'm sure Sajan's got a photo of those spikes down on his Instagram somewhere. Oh, 100%. And then, yeah, maybe we'll have to do an Instagram story where we get everyone throwing up the lightning bolt. That would be sick. I'd be into that. Okay, so we talk about superstitions a lot. I'm not a super, 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 superstitious guy. Tyler, you played college baseball. Baseball is notorious for being one of the most superstitious sports out there. What are some Mm -hmm. of the superstitions you had as a baseball player? I was more superstitious as a younger athlete, like still a little bit in college, but by the time my fourth year rolled around, it was like, okay, like let me just get in the batter's box and I'm just going to try and hit this thing as hard as I can. But that kind of changed, too, once I read a, a book by Sean Green, former Toronto Blue Jay great. I think it's called Think Baseball. I haven't read it in a while, but that's a great one out there. If any baseball players are listening to this thing. But I had a lot, too. I, you know, I was a weirdo. I had to put my right shoe on before my left shoe. And then I wasn't necessarily no more Garcia Parr in the batter's box. But I, you know, one foot first, and then I had I just did a quick tap of home plate one side and then just got ready. I was a no batting gloves, Liam. I'm, I don't think this is really no batting gloves. Actually, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And yeah, no, just let, let's go. Just grip it and rip it. But my thing was uh, whatever I did, like if I, however I got to the ballpark or whatever I did the day and I went like two for four or three for five, like a really solid day. You bet your butt I was doing that exact same thing. I was taking exact same footsteps to the ballpark. I wouldn't have a hair out of place from the day before. So my superstitions kind of changed a lot. And then I pretty much just got over them. I just started thinking, this is completely ridiculous. Like this has absolutely nothing to do with if I'm going to get a hit or not. But then I'd go 0 for 6 and then I'd need to fall back to the River back to it, yeah. Yeah, had to, so... (laughs) I can see you being the guy that goes and plays mini golf before his baseball game goes three for four and then goes and plays mini golf every day before the game. I would have to. Yeah, I would have to. I, uh, I'll tell the story. I'll delete it if I can, but 
one summer I was playing in Melville, Saskatchewan in the Western Major Baseball League, and I got off to a terrible start. And I wasn't because I, I got stuck on the bench because I was like, oh, for 12 to start the season. And so one night I was like, whatever, I'm just going to have a couple more beers than I probably should. Wasn't feeling so hot the next day. And then boom, hit a walk-off grand slam. And then I was like, well, <laughs> got to do it again, right? No way. You hit a oh, walk-off yeah. grand slam. No what batting you- gloves. Grip and rip mm-hmm. it. Wow. We are recording this on June 18th. That walk-off granny, we, 4-2, we were down 2 nothing. Walk-off grand slam, boom, game over. Uh, almost 10 years ago to the date, June 23rd. I was looking it up earlier this month. Trying 10 to years ago to the day. So what, you would have been 13. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, playing against 35-year-olds. Yeah, it was, and it went like 600 feet too. I destroyed the thing. You must so, have been a unit of a 13-year-old. <laughs> oh, man. I was six one and a bit and 160 when I first showed up to TRU. I was, granted, I was 17 years old. I was pretty young. Uh, yeah, and so after I hit the walk-off granny, I didn't have any troubles uh, repeating the, the previous night's performance because I was in such a good mood, but I kept it going probably longer than I should have. I've never had any superstitions, but one thing that I've always wanted to do I, it doesn't even matter what sport. If I hit like a walk off something or like a game winning shot, I've always wanted to do the LeBron where he just smacks his chest and then does like the thing with his feet where he stomps. The walk. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know what. There's a name for. It. I can't remember what it's called, but I think that's just the sickest celebration. So simple. Everybody knows where it's from, and the guy just looks awesome. I want to be that guy. Oh, I've definitely done that after like hitting a three in intramural basketball back in the day. Like you got to do it as as often as possible because everyone knows how cool it is. So yeah, it's all that's a great one. Maybe I'll start doing it Fridays when I finish my day. Send that last email. Get up, do the LeBron smack the chest stomp, and then just like walk out. Absolutely, I, I think that's a great idea. We got to incorporate that to the office more often. You know what we should do? We should set up one of those like basketball hoops over a garbage can. And just yeah. like drain paper, just drain into the recycling bin, get up, do some different celebrations, see what sticks the best. I'm into that. There's also the, the J.R. Smith where he like swings his arm around with the three and then, yeah. or you could do the Lance where you like play the three guitar. Love that. Or the Jason Terry taking off like a jet down the court after he hits a three. We talked about Jason Terry in this episode. Not a Jason Terry fan. I will be completely honest. I think the really pest. Yeah. Oh, what past that he's like a three and D guy, which I respect, but mm. man, just not, not a favorite player to watch in mine. Yeah. Okay, Tyler. So people like this podcast, obviously we got extended on our uh, support from the UVic alumni association, which is big news. Love uh, to see that. So how can we get some more support from our listeners? Yeah. Well, say Jan, he's a big listener. He's listened to the pod for my bad dude. I'm sorry. So we have some cross country girls that we're going to reach out to and we'll see if we can get them on. But like always, if, if anyone has a teammate or a friend or someone they want to hear on the podcast, give us a shout, let us know, send us an email, hit us up on Instagram. We'll get in touch. We'll try and make it happen. If you liked the episode, click subscribe, rate our show, leave us a review. And that's it for this week. And we'll catch you guys next Monday. Sounds good. Likewise, if you're interested in the Vikes Varsity Fantasy Football League, shoot us a message. We're going to make it happen. Who's going to be the commissioner of that? Because if it's me, I'm going to cheat. I'm telling you right now. I could be the commissioner. Actually, you know what? The commissioner has to put up with so much drama. I don't want to be the commissioner. I want to play.
I'm saying I'll put up with the drama, but I'm going to probably force a couple trades to go my way. That's all. Commissioner Larissa McKinley. Okay, fair enough. See how that goes. Unbiased opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Won't even know what's going on. We'll see you guys on the next show. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Give and Go Vikes podcast, supported by the Uvic Alumni Association.